Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the Audio Outreach Ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. If you get your Bibles today, turn to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. That'll sound familiar to you, I'm sure. This is one we've heard since we were kids. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for your word today. Uh, God, every day. Uh, Lord, uh, I'm thankful for this moment in the church, God, where we, where we sit right now. And God, the plans that you have for us as we move forward. And uh, God, might this, might this verse be a pinnacle uh, of this church. God, might it be what we strive towards every day and everything that we encounter. God, might we, might we see it more clearly and, and hear the calling more clearly uh, today as your word is preached. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. The, the SS United States was known as the pride of a nation. At the time, it was the pinnacle, technological, and artistic achievement of its time. It was a monument of the American can-do spirit. It was an ocean liner that was built between the years of 1950 and 1951. How many of you recall? Some of you. Dave. Thanks, buddy. The ship was the largest uh, ocean liner constructed entirely in the United States and the fastest ocean liner to cross the Atlantic in either direction. In fact, it still holds some of these records today, one being the highest average speed by an ocean liner. It was constructed in a joint effort by the United States Navy and the United States Lines. The U.S. government back then underwrote $50 million of this $78 million project. The idea being sold was that this ship could easily be converted in times of war to a troop ship. So it would be able to carry some 15,000 troops at record speeds across the ocean, and if need be, it could be converted into a portable hospital. So in 1952, the ship set sail, but it was never used as a wartime ship. It was only ever used as a luxury ship carrying wealthy travelers across the ocean. 
Then by the mid to late uh, 1960s, we have this introduction of the jet-powered aircraft. And the market for transatlantic travel by ships was no longer needed. And on November 7th of 1969, the United States completed her last voyage. The ship now sits today at a Philadelphia dock completely useless. A mere tourist attraction, a skeleton of what she once was, and a reminder of wasted potential. The Great Commission that we just read in Matthew should serve as a reminder to the church. You see, the church is a war vessel, not a tourist attraction. It's a troop carrier, not a luxury yacht. If you've come here today for a massage and hors d'oeuvres, you've come to the wrong place. Because today you will receive fatigues and a sword with an opportunity to make war, to carry out the marching orders of our king. And if you've been wounded in spiritual warfare, the church still serves as a hospital to mend your wounds and to strengthen your spirit so that you can return to the battle. Our mission has not changed, nor will it ever change. The old ship of Zion still sails at record speeds by the power of the Holy Spirit. This troop ship carries Christ's soldiers into enemy territory with eternity on the line. Welcome to church. If you are comfortable if you are ineffective, if you are part-time, if you sit idle, if sin doesn't make you sick, if a lost soul doesn't cause you to weep, if a powerful prayer is from the past, if God's word doesn't move you, you continue to forsake the coming together of other believers. If you are not growing those who are around you or willing to be grown yourself, I suggest you get out of your poolside tanning chair and check the name on the front of the ship because you're not going to like where the one you're on is going to take you. Dear Christian, we are commanded to the mission field. What has the Great Commission cost you? You see, we can't hide any longer behind the mission work of our church. We can't hide any longer behind the mission work of our friends or our pastors. What has obeying the Great Commission cost you? Who has gained by your commitment to the call? You see, a commission is not optional, it's mandatory. It's not the great option or the great suggestion. It's not something, something to think about or even something to pray about. It's just required. We say, someday I will. And that's the biggest lie that we tell ourselves. Someday when I know more, I will. Maybe someday when I finish college, I will. When my kids are older, I will. When I pay off debt, I will. No, you won't. What you will do is I will yourself to death, 
And when you look back and see all that you have worked towards being destroyed by moth and rust, you will realize you've accomplished nothing for the kingdom of God. Just a bunch of excuses. You see, from the moment of our salvation, from the moment of our justification, we begin to follow. We are full followers. We don't clean up first. We don't educate for a while, then take a rest. We immediately follow him. It's from conversion that we have been commissioned. So what I want to do today is I want to put us in this story of the Great Commission. We've all heard it, but maybe we haven't realized the context of the conversation. Uh, so let's become, for a moment, a discipleship, a disciple on top of the hill with Jesus. This is no calm, ordinary, relaxing moment. It's not a leisure conversation between Jesus and the disciples taking place. There is an unimaginable tension in this moment. Think about it. Jesus had just gone to the cross. He had just drank the cup of God's wrath. He had breathed his last. They saw him placed in a tomb, and his disciples were scattered in fear. The earth had just seen a darkness like it had never seen before. And evil for the moment had seemed victorious. Then the Bible says there was a great earthquake. I don't know if we, I don't know if we comprehend this. The tomb didn't just shake. The stone didn't just roll away, but the entire earth shook. A great earthquake, an earthquake of biblical proportion took place. The earth knew something had happened, and so did everyone on it. You can be certain after what had just taken place, the darkness, the crucifixion, and all of those things that the earthquake would have heightened the intensity of everybody it shook. No one could deny something just happened. And that remains the same to this day. There will be none without, with an excuse. So the stone is rolled away and the crucified man with marks on his hands and his feet steps out from the grave. Such a miraculous event would send the enemies of God scrambling. Oh no, we didn't expect this. And we read in Scripture how the guard is paid off to lie about what happened. Nevertheless, Satan knew Christ arose. The demons knew that Christ had arisen. No doubt the guards knew, the chief priests and the elders knew, and they were scrambling for what their next move would be. Because believe it or not, the enemy 
does not sleep. He knows what's at stake in this battle for souls, therefore the darkness does not rest. Later in Galilee, on the mountain, the Bible says the disciples behold Jesus. They behold Jesus. What a moment. Can you imagine this? Could you, could you imagine this overwhelming relief they would have had to see him again? Could you imagine their brain trying to make sense of what had just happened? These emotional highs and these emotional lows. In verse 17, before we get to the commission, it says this. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Wait, what? Here stands the resurrected Jesus in front of them. And they doubted. When the women saw the angel on top of the tomb, it says they were filled with fear and great joy. Now in the presence of a resurrected Jesus, there is worship and there is doubt. These are the same disciples who would be the ones to carry the gospel with boldness. The same men who would lay down their lives to further that which they had been entrusted with. And at this very moment, in the presence of a resurrected Jesus, there is doubt. But look what Christ does. I never caught this until this week. Scripture says, and Jesus came to them. Wait, he was with them, right? He was with them. They saw him, and they worshiped, and they doubted. And then it says, Jesus came to them. I mean, he is Jesus, so he undoubtedly sensed the doubt and the fear. So he came to them. Because that's what love does. Love draws itself closer. He came nearer to them. The closer that love got to them, the less of the background they would see, the less of the chaos they would see. He drew closer so that those who doubted could see better that it was him. It's kind of like when, when you're a parent and, and you, you grab the face of your child who's scared in the night and you have one hand on this cheek and the other hand on this cheek and you grab them in the face and you draw them closer and you say, you don't have to be afraid because I'm right here. That's what Jesus did in this moment. Then he speaks. Then he speaks. Remember, the enemy's already at work. Chaos is already ensuing. What are they going to do? How are they going to cover this up? There's lies. There's deception. All of this taking place. And the devil thinks, if I can't take out Christ, 
then I'm going to take out those who are created in his image. And in the middle of the scurrying of the enemy, he who is the victor over death and the grave speaks. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Church, look, Christ didn't use his inside voice when he said that. Guaranteed. That was said with authority like this world had never heard before. He wasn't making conversation with his disciples. No one had to say, we can't hear you in the back. They all heard it. And those words echoed across the earth, and they still ring today and forever. They made the hair on the back of the devil's neck stand up. It made the demons shudder and scared the doubt right out of the disciples. Those words would ring in their ears as they would carry the gospel for the rest of their lives. While being imprisoned, while they were being beaten and ostracized and eventually almost all of them martyred, they knew no matter where they were, no matter what the circumstances were, all authority was still his. You ever had somebody speak to you with authority? I mean God-given authority. I was thinking about that today. I remember as a kid, uh, my mom and dad have authority, right? My mom and dad have God-given authority because they're my parents, right? If you're a parent, you, you have that also. And I remember just probably once, only probably once, uh, mom telling me things like, you need to clean your room, yeah? And I didn't because it was mom, Right? What's mom going to do? Let me tell you. My mom can give a butt whooping, folks. She might seem quiet and little around here. But when she got that paddle out, she meant business. <clears throat> anyway, it's not part of the sermon. But I just want you to be afraid of her, too, like I am. But my mom would say, in her authority, clean your room. And, and I wouldn't listen. And then she would say, in her authority... You wait till your dad gets home. Guys, I remember probably five times that my dad whooped me, but I remember all five times my dad. But my dad, he would come in, and mom would say, hey, you need to talk to your uh, eldest son. He didn't listen. I told him to clean his room. And dad would he wouldn't have to say much, right? He would, he would pretty much say one word with his God-given authority. Go. And I went. Right? God-given authority. Now this is Jesus. And this is all authority in heaven and on earth. And he's speaking in that. You see, we have to understand that the Great Commission is so much more than a pep talk. 
It's so much more than, than a really cool phrase to put on a poster board in a church narthex. It's so much more than something just to boost the confidence of the disciples for them standing there on top of the hill that day when Jesus spoke those words, it was a declaration of war. That's what it was. Jesus had declared war. It was and it still is a call to board the troop ship in charge forward to go. H.B. Charles says you can't spell gospel without go first. In the Great Commission, Jesus makes four all-inclusive statements. If you remember anything today, remember this. Just remember this. All authority... All nations obey all I have commanded and all ways. That's four different sermons. But I'll just preach one today. After the eternity-shattering words of authority, Jesus says, go, therefore. He could have said, go and... But he said, go, therefore. And what that does, those words take us backwards to the announcement of his authority. It's within and it's from that authority we are told to go. Go and complete a specific assignment. Make disciples. Doesn't just say, Go to the nations and visit, but make disciples of the nations. It doesn't say just go and evangelize. It doesn't say just go plant a church. It doesn't say just go have a revival, go drop a track. He says make disciples. Now those are all good things. In fact, all of those things must be happening. But what actually is it we are commissioned to do? It's not to just evangelize, that's where it starts. But it's fulfilled when we make disciples as is defined by Scripture. A few years back, we had a, an evangelist come through the area and... Uh, just a really neat ministry he had, and he would go into the schools and he would have an assembly. And because of the law and things like that, uh, they weren't allowed to preach the gospel in the school, which I would have probably anyway. But uh, they, what they do is they have these assemblies, and they still happen today. In fact, I got an email that a local school is getting ready to do one. Uh, but they have these assemblies, and then they invite the students and the families to a local church that night where they do another entertainment sort of thing and then preach the gospel. And uh, we were able to partner with this ministry, and uh, they came here, and in, in, this was in our old sanctuary, and, and the church was, was pretty full. I was really surprised at the community that had, that had come out to see this. And at the end, he gives an invitation and asks people to come forward to accept Christ. And, and I remember it was, it was in the 30s 
30 uh, some people came forward to receive Christ as their Savior, and they went so far as to fill out a commitment card, right? And when it was all said and done, it was, a, it was an incredible night, and he handed me these commitment cards as he left, and he says, now it's your job to follow up with these. And uh, some of you remember, because I gave you some of the cards, and we all reached out, and we all followed up with these new believers in Christ, and it wasn't but a year or so later, he came back, and made contact with us, and yeah, we want to do it again, that's fine, yeah, come on out, we're all about preaching the gospel, and uh, I remember him getting to the church, and I, I met him as he came to the door, and he goes, I remember being here, we had 30-some salvations at the, last, at the last event, and I said, no, we didn't. No, we did. I, I, wrote, I wrote it down, like, I remember this stuff, it was a great move of God, and I said, we didn't have 30-some salvations that night. Well, how can you say that? I said, because we tried to follow up, and nobody wanted to be a disciple. Nobody came back to church. Nobody returned phone calls. Nobody attended Bible study. And isn't that the world we live in today? Go and make people who confess Jesus as their Savior for a minute? No. It says go and make disciples. It's, it's an investment. It takes time. So though the gospel was preached, the great commission was not fulfilled. And that is the markings of true conversion. Discipleship. So here's the pattern. We preach the gospel. All of us no one is excluded. We preach the gospel. Every disciple of Jesus preaches Christ crucified. And where do we preach it? To all the nations. Oh, man. I don't like to fly, pastor. Preach to all nations, all people, both reached and unreached. The lost and the found need to hear the gospel. But I've already shared it with them. Share it again. Share it again. You see, the gospel calls out the lost and it encourages those who are in the fold. It doesn't hurt to be reminded again and again and again. Not only must we go, but I want to interject something here. These are two absolutes I think every Christian should support, both in prayer and financially. One is the local church. Every disciple of Christ should support the local church. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Go ahead and test me. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Bring your tithe to the storehouse. Well, we get to the storehouse. That's what it says. Secondly, if God has not called you across the pond, then help someone, 
help hold someone up who has been called across the pond. Individually, we should have connection to both local missions through the church and global missions through the church and missionaries if they're making disciples. If that ministry fulfills the calling of the Great Commission. Now that's like, that's a tall task, right? Make disciples of all nations? Yeah, that's, that's big. Real big. And that's why the capital C Church must fall under altogether this inclusive authority that is Jesus' authority and work together. I'm so tired of the noise. I'm so tired of hearing what this church thinks about this church and these people think about these people. And the, we got a letter this week. The missions board got a letter this week. We understand the stance of free Christian, but listen, it's a Bible stance. It's not a free Christian stance. Now let's get back to work, right? Let's just get back to work. There's souls on the line and you want to be petty about stuff? I got to get back to my notes. Hold on. Ah. We've got to let the secondary things be secondary and get back to making the primary thing the primary thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ and our duty to fulfill the Great Commission. We've got to preach the same gospel. If we're going to be at odds with another church, it's going to be over the gospel they preach. There's only one gospel, right? And we need to be into training people up and sending people out, and training people up, and sending, wash, rinse, repeat. Train them up, send them out. Train them up, send them out. But once a disciple is made, once the Holy Spirit converts a heart, there's another command made. Baptize them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, once they're made, Mark them. Mark them with the waters of baptism. Let the world see that the old has been washed away and that something new has come. I'm telling you what, every time there is a baptism service in this church, you better not miss it. You are missing the middle of the fulfilling of the Great Commission. That's just baptism. No, it's not. No, it's not. In another all-inclusive statement, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's a lot. There's been a lot commanded of us. This, this, this word is full of so much, and I'm, I'm just... So shocked by how many people know it so well that they don't need to come get more of it than just today at 10.30. Just baffled. Well, I don't need Wednesday nights because I, then you should teach us. Hey, there's a great idea. You are our new Sunday school teacher because you know so much that you don't need to learn more. All right. 
We are all to be invested in the teaching of the whole counsel of God. We'll all be held accountable for this. We should be consuming God's word, living God's word, and sharing God's word. And it's hard. And it takes a lot of time. And it will exhaust you. Because it would require you to meet face to face with somebody and be challenged by them. And you'll have to go home and study more because they'll stump you. It's about doing life together. It's about getting all up in people's business. So how do we fulfill it? How do we fulfill this great commission? Well, by simply obeying all of the scripture that we went through last week. Remember those? By inviting someone over to dinner and just talking about Jesus. Maybe just meeting somebody at the coffee shop. Maybe it's just showing up for Sunday school or Wednesday night. Maybe it's planning a phone call every day in order to pray for and encourage another brother or sister in Christ. So just in case you forgot those scriptures from last week, I brought them with me today. You're welcome. Titus 2, 3, and 4, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and their children. It's a tall order. 2 Timothy 2, 2, in what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. We just read that one, but it's worth repeating. Hebrews 3, 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 1 Peter 4, 10, as each has received a gift, did you catch that? As each has received a gift. Y'all have a gift. The Bible even said so. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Acts 28, 20, 18, 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Finally, in the last of all the inclusive statements made by Christ, he declares, and behold, I like that. He's like, and listen up. Check this. I am with you always to the end of the age. Always. There's no place 
There's no time that he's not with us. And that is, that is one of two things for you. It either empowers you or it shames you. Well, he was, he was with me then. Uh-huh. Right there. You're never alone. So here we are at the end of this great commission, no different from the disciples, really. We stand here, or sit here, after this declaration of war. And some will worship, and some will doubt. Some will worship, and some will still doubt. What is it that keeps those who profess Christ from fulfilling the commission? Why can't we, why don't we do it? I thought a lot about it this week. And the only conclusion that I could come to was, you have an authority issue. Your comfort has the authority. Your laziness has the authority. Your busyness has the authority. Your pride has the authority. Your money has the authority. I want to remind you, Christ said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... I bet he said go so loud they just kind of ran and then came back because they, they realized that they didn't really get the assignment yet. When Christ says all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, and we don't do it, our disobedience is saying to the face of Christ, I doubt it. He says, all authority is given to me. I, I doubt it, because watch. Watch how I'll do it. I have the authority, Jesus. How dare we talk to our Lord in that manner? He has the authority. In this text, this single imperative is to make disciples. The assignment of the church to preach the gospel, to tell the world, to tell even the church, repent of your sin, run to the cross, be trained up, then train up, walk the waters of baptism, teach them to obey, charge the line. Church, wake up and see a perishing world around you, your own children, your own brothers and sisters, your own friends and co-workers bound for the eternal flames of hell. And you are who God called to move. You are who God called to preach and to prod them towards repentance. Now go, make disciples. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful that your word and your calling is so clear, 
so clear. God, I pray that there's conviction all over this place today. God, in my own heart, in the heart of the leadership here, in the heart of the congregants, and God, even in the part of the person, the heart of the person who just stumbled in today not knowing why they were coming. God, you are real. Your son came and died to redeem us. And if we've truly been redeemed, then we have a price to pay for that. We must lay down our own lives and follow you. And God, we sit, we sit and wonder, well, what should we do now? Like now that I'm a Christian, and God, you've laid it out so plain. You've laid it out with the exclamation points. This is the priority. God, I'm so fearful that even in this place, there are goats among the sheep. There are those who came to an altar at one time and wanted you to take away their sin, but they didn't want to make you Lord. God, might it be clear to them today that that's not the gift of salvation. They've been deceived. God, the heart of a true disciple follows Christ and obeys all that he has commanded them. God, we've never been encouraged to find our own route. You've laid the narrow path before us. Might we just follow it? God, I pray for salvations today. I pray for hearts of stone to be made hearts of flesh. And God, I pray for your people to be moved in such a way by the gospel that we're obedient to the calling of making disciples and being made into a greater disciple. God, thank you for what you will do. As we open this altar back up, God, might your spirit move in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message, and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God audio outreach ministries production. 